Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey everybody, welcome. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lu, and today I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And... Welcome back from the holidays and New Year's. Uh, we just want to welcome you to 2021 with a new series on how God is bursting our bubbles. Um, it's a four-part series, and this is the first one um, regarding how realizing and acknowledging that we live and reside in bubbles prevents us from really engaging with what God is doing um, in our lives, in the world, and uh, how it really prevents us from growing in what God or growing into who God is calling us to be. Uh, which is representing Christ wherever we go. And so I miss the turmoil um, that is occurring in our country um, politically and whether apolitically. Uh, we just want to introduce you to the sermon series and hope that it speaks to you. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. I just want to be raw and honest with you, and sincere as possible, in light of the recent attack in the Capitol, in Washington, D.C. I felt a riotous rage inside me during the insurrection on January 6th. And for many days after, I felt numb. I had to restrain myself from calling, posting, because I was reactive and animosity was welling up inside of me. I began to talk to myself, talk to the people in my house. I talked talk to my dog. And I said, I told you so. I warned believers, both nationally and internationally, just recently in my piece on Christianity. I said, Christians peddling conspiracy theories that are perpetuated by a whole segment of believers in the church that the president perpetuated himself will cause irreparable harm to, the, to our gospel witness for generations and generations to come. We can't even calculate the damage this has done to the cause of Christ in the U.S. and around the world. And I said, I kept saying, I told you so. However, as I started to pray and wrestle, I realized what, was, what I was feeling inside was something much more insidious. And many of you maybe be feeling that as well. I just puzzled, wrestling, the Holy Spirit led me to the Lord's Prayer. And my prayer was, Lord, deliver me from the temptation of evil. Because that's what I was struggling with, honestly. To give back that violence. I felt, I, for, for many years, I felt muzzled, even though I wrote pieces against Trump's policies leading to this place. I saw it happen. 
but everyone kept change the, 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 the finish line. Moving what means to cross the line. And I just got, how did we get here? <laughs> and I'm being honest as possible as I process this to deliver me from evil, the temptation. Use my rage, God, to procure the work of justice, but deliver me from evil. And that's my prayer for all of us in that church. How did we get here? I think my, oh, there's one moment the Spirit brought to mind after the Lord's Prayer. It was a theologian in my fellowship at Yale Medicine and Yale Divinity exploring the polarization between faith and science and in one segment talked about the polarization of politics in the church. One gentleman, a theologian from Alabama, said that a lot of y'all are still shocked, smacked upside of the head because Trump won the election in 2016. But many of you don't realize you live in a bubble. You're East Urban, East Coast Urban Ivy Tower bubble. You don't realize that people down the South believe, they see voting blue has almost worse than worshiping Satan himself. Might just join and become a Satanist because of those values that are contradictory to them. And we were shocked. I was shocked. I was like, really? That's really far-fetched, I thought. And then, what do we learn about who charged the Capitol? Most of the insurrectionists were QAnon, part of the QAnon conspiracy cult movement. Who believes that the left are pedophiles, Satan-worshipping, children-eating monsters. And that's not a hyperbole. They actually believe that in the conspiracy. And I want to be the first person to repent. Because I thought, even a few years ago, that who would be dumb enough to believe in such conspiracies? No reasonable person. And, and my friend was right at Yale. I am living in a bubble. I realize I am. The New York City and other global cities, we are living in a bubble. And QAnon has their own bubble. And this is why we are here at this place. Right? Polarization always leads to demonization because our caricature of the other continues to become more insidious as the distance grows, as we move further and further away creating a bubble of delusion where suspicion replaces reality, which is what called a conspiracy. We're just conspiring in our minds of the caricature we see. We don't actually see the people. And that's my fault. I discarded QAnon because I live in a bubble. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is confronting in Acts chapter 10. Had to pop our spiritual insularity, our spiritual bubbles of our lives. And for the next few weeks, we have a four-part series in the book of Acts 10. How we live in a bubble. Second week, how we break out of that bubble. How we resist that bubble. Third week. And lastly, 
how what kind of power is unleashed when we what break out of that bubble because as long as we live in the bubble we're not what we're not on mission god is inhibiting and entering into the place of darkness right any enemy occupied territory as cso says and leading a great campaign of something for those of us who live in a bubble we can't enter the broken world to heal and to love it jesus came to what redeem the world and that's the question we want to answer today how do we what will it take to break out of this bubble this spiritual bubble in our lives so let's go to the text and i'll be with you in a second Hi, today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 9 to 23. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meals was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw a heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. This is the word of the Lord. So the question is, what will it take to tear open our spiritual bubble? First lesson we learn excavated from this passage is it's going to take a divine intervention. That's right, a divine intervention. If you look at the text, how does the Holy Spirit finally get Peter's attention? about the bubble he resides in, right? Well, it took a supernatural sign. He was up in the balcony to pray in his friend's house, but he had to what? Go into a trance. Maybe to alternate the state he was in, he was already, what, entrenched in his bubble. Because Peter didn't see himself. Peter's insularity went so deep. It was even arduous for God, infinite, almighty God, to get through to Peter's kosher bubble. Right? That's the context here in this passage. Until Acts 10, Cornelius comes to Christ in the end, of course, the first Gentile believer. 
accepting Jesus as Savior. But Peter could not see beyond that bubble that he was living in, even though the move of God and the power of the Spirit is moving that way. It's, the text says in verse 10, he had to go into a trance to keep him what? To get him to focus. The density of the bubble became so mountainous, it almost became what? Impenetrable. And for many of us in our lives, that's how dense the context and the bubble we live in. And for most of our lives, it might be safe and convenient for us, but we miss the calling of God in our lives and miss the brokenness outside of it. It might be safe, and that delusion of that Bible might keep us in there. But what we forfeit is tragic. So it takes divine intervention. It takes, the, it takes God and the power of God and the Spirit of God to break through this insularity. As you know, Parasite, uh, the Korean film that won in the Academy an Oscar for Best Picture, Best Director, and etc., really resonated. It was palpable, the social differences, the economic class globally. Right? It tackled three classes using a house as an analogy. The elite class, the working class, and the fringe class. And the whole time, what made the movie so profound and beautiful was that most of us are only focusing on the first two. The deafness and the tone deafness of the elite class who didn't know anything about the real world. And for those, many of us that understand the working class. And but the punchline of the movie, the brilliance was that below the working class, there was the fringe class. And in this passage, we see the same type of triangulation. Peter is in his kosher bubble. Many of us, are in our urban bubble. And QAnon is in a conspiracy bubble, a Christian cult. All of us are in a bubble. The first thing that we've got to realize if we want to get out of this bubble is we need to pray like we never prayed before. Because it will take a Herculean supernatural effort by God to get out of this malaise because partially there is a demonic element. The prince of this world, as C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, this is an enemy-occupied territory. And the king, who's come in disguise of leading a campaign of sabotage, but many of us can't see that secret, that communication from the secret wireless or the fact that the incarnate king, in disguise, incarnate, incarnated, and came to this world because we live in our bubble. So we're not talking to each other. And that's something we have to recognize as the first step. As the first step of, of how to heal this world. Of how to answer the call. That the fact that we live in a bubble. We live in our own fishbowl. And so it's going to take divine intervention. 
but we have to see. Let the Holy Spirit show you. So what bubble do you live in? Understanding your positionality is the first critical admission of seeing clearly past the malaise of politics and the lens of all that stuff and seeing how God sees it, the vertical reality, the gospel reality. And I pray the Holy Spirit today will show you the bubble that we all live in. Because if we want to get out of it, we have to realize we are in it. We have to see it. And I pray the Spirit will show you right now. Alright, so the question we asked in the beginning is, what will it take for us to break open the spiritual bubbles that we reside in? Well, the second lesson we learn excavated from this text is that it, it takes seeing how deep our resistance really goes. Right? Again, it takes seeing how deep our resistance really goes. If you look at verse 15, how many times does the Holy Spirit have to prick? And I, I don't use that word lightly, right? The density of Peter's kosher bubble was so thick, he could not foresee. He kept saying, I have never, never eaten anything unclean. And, the, and what? The Holy Spirit says, do not call anything I've called clean, unclean. Like, like me in my own urban bubble, my ivy tower bubble. I said, who are who anyone in their right mind going to believe this? Maybe not people in my life. Maybe not people who read what I read. But the church is my responsibility. Not just 180. As the, a doctor of the church, which comes first from St. Augustine, a bishop in the early church, early church father. The Christian representation and representing Abba and Jesus and the cross is all of our responsibility. The prodigal sons, both sons, are members of our family. And QAnon, even though we disagree and many were led astray, and those who charge the capital must be brought to justice. But there, there are many, many out there right now online that will, the fog will clear and they will see that this was all lies and is lies and they'll need redemption and we can't talk to each other in the church about this and ct just wrote an article about people leaving the church in the south as a result of this so it's it is a big concern for all of us and i want to be the first one to repent of my own bubble and i want to take every member in the church in the body of Christ globally, in Africa, and Latin America, Native Americans, and urban Americans. All of them seriously. And I want to repent from my own bubble. And at Wheaton College, which is the Harvard of Christian colleges, which I train and write for myself, wrote a letter repenting after seeing the insurrection and the Christian symbolism at the Capitol, all of the faculty broken and puzzled 
repented for, for not taking it QAnon seriously themselves. And this is what they wrote. We repent of our own failures to speak and to act in accordance with justice. We lament the failures of the church to teach clearly and to exercise adequate church discipline in these areas. The statement, moreover, we grieve over the adequate level of discipleship that has made room for these type of behavior among those who self-identify as Christian. We commit ourselves to a more faithful witness in our callings as faculty and staff of Wheaton College, and we will work diligently to provide ample opportunities to show students as well as the larger Wheaton College and Christian community how to practice discernment, civic engagement, to demonstrate connection between love and justice, and courageously commit the truth, even especially when the truth is difficult to hear. So, how did Peter eventually see that he was living in a spiritual bubble? How did the Holy Spirit get him to see it? He had to see how deep the resistance really goes. The density is mountainous. Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, the living Spirit, had a hard time. Where are the spiritual bubbles in your life? How is the Spirit convicting you today? Will you pray with me today, right now, for the Spirit of God to examine you together? So before we go, as we lift our hands, I want to pray this prayer we prayed in the beginning. And would it be a moment, wherever you might be, lift your hands, just listen and agree. Then ask the Spirit to show you where your spiritual bubbles, where you, where they reside. O God of peoples, nations, and history, you became incarnate in the midst of economic, social, and political injustice. You who call on us to incarnate the reality of your kingdom in the midst of the world's destructive values, structures, and dynamics. Altogether, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our cry. We confess that we would much rather limit our relationship with you to the comfortable, affordable confines of our own insulated world. We are prone to withdraw and to create islands of security within which we live in some degree of peace and comfort without having to see the pain and anguish of the world outside. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our cry. We are tempted to limit our spirituality to narrow boundaries of our self-circumscribed world. God of justice and mercy, help us to see that to be conformed to the image of Christ is to be thrust out into the world as agents of your redeeming, healing, liberating, transforming grace. Altogether, O oh Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our cry. Help us to see that our growth toward wholeness in Christ cannot be moved toward this fruition apart from the life in the world. Guide us in our consideration of this reality in this moment. Help us to be open and responsive to what you are saying to us. Oh Lord, hear our prayer, hear our cry.
Well, welcome back, everybody, and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, we're back from our holiday break and ushering the new year with a new four-part series. And today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia to kick us off in 2021 um, with what, what I think is a really refreshing, um, convicting, and pertinent conversation regarding regarding things on a national level and regarding things on a very personal level for us. And I'm very excited to talk about this series regarding how um, God is moving in our lives, moving in 2021 to help burst our bubbles and our insularity. Um, and so with this series, I'm joined with Pastor Lydia to discuss the first part of a four uh, four-part installation on um, how God is really tearing the bubbles in our lives and convicting us so that we can really expand um, and see how God is moving in our lives and in uh, our country and in our world um, so that we can really usher in a mission and usher in the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so you know, I have a lot of thoughts and I think I have a lot to say, but, um, you know, I just want to welcome Pastor Lydia. Thank you for joining us Hello. today. <laughs> um, I'm happy to talk to you again after our break um, regarding this series, because I think in reflection, I, 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 I was a little bit stuck on how my bubble fits into the greater or grander scheme of what's going on in a nation. Um, I felt like in some parts, I really felt like I identified with what Dr. Sammy was saying about his own personal bubble that, you know, I come from having a, the East Coast education um, at an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I probably don't really understand the fringe class, you know, or I may have fooled myself into thinking that I have anecdotally, but, you know, on reflection and on thinking about it, it's like I... I'm one that is removed from really understanding that perspective, obviously. Um, and also on a very, I guess, personal level, just thinking about how our circumstances really inform or really informed my own bubble of, you know, not really thinking or paying mind to the issues at hand that Dr. Sammy is addressing with the insurrection in the Capitol, um, really thinking about how that representation or that um, the event in history, what, what those implications are for me as an individual and for us as a community and us as a country, you know? And so there was a lot of things that I felt like Dr. Samuel was addressing to us. And, you know, I'm excited to talk about how God is really trying to address or help us acknowledge that these bubbles, that we reside in these bubbles, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, Pastor Lee, I think the first question I, I did want to ask you is, uh, you know, in your point of view, you know, do you, do you see how bubbles, the bubbles that we are in, you know, pose, I guess, certain limitations to how we can really, um, how, how do I say this, how we can really uh help usher in uh, God's mission and what God is doing in our lives. You know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you also thought about with uh, these bubbles and for us as believers. Well, I think um, the whole issue of bubbles is I think people process very differently. Um, 
you know, there is the whole automatic thoughts uh, that kind of just float, float and, you know, unprocessed, you'll just make observations or think or thoughts that are just kind of looming through the mind over time, especially like with, you know, the last four years of, you know, Trump's presidency or even the election and the accusation of election fraud to the pandemic. Like, I mean, not in that order, but, and now the insurrection that happened on January 5th, like there's a lot to think through. So I think people have initial thoughts and people have very strong thoughts. Um, I think it varies depending on the circumstance and the situation people are in or life stage people are in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So having said that, I think for me as the church, you know, um, as Sam spoke about the responsibility, him as a doctor of the church, um, you know, responsibility as a believer, as a leader of the church, um, what exactly is, um, I guess, in danger, you know, is, mm-hmm. and that, that part is really, not just that part, but like, it's really alarming that it's actually, when people, when the world looks at the church, it, it's, it, it's a misrepresent, there's so much misrepresentation of who Christ is, right? Mm-hmm. And ultimately that hurts the mission of revealing Christ, sharing Christ for who he is, you know? So I'm just kind of like thinking through as I speak, but so that's one, um, the alarming part of misrepresentation and what we can do about that, what we haven't done about that, um, what we neglected about that. I think it comes back to, um, examining like what bubble has allowed this or, you know, the inaction of Christians, right. Mm. Um, or the miss, I don't even know if that's a word, but like misactions of Christians. Mm. Um, and I guess that the other thing is in order to understand what this, what these bubbles are, because it's so easy to say, well, my bubble is this. No, I don't struggle with that. And I think we always kind of have assumptions of self-knowledge about ourselves or self-discovery mm-hmm. about ourselves. I think um, the fact that um, the scripture and um, the word that was preached brings authority back to the king of kings, right? The one whose kingdom, like... One who actually has a kingdom, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, he is the Lord of all. Like to come back to the place of asking God, I assess myself all the time. I know myself. Like this is how I feel about things. But Lord, right. what is your will? What What are your thoughts? And what are you doing, God? And help me see what I'm missing. Help me see the uh, blinders on my eyes, like what are, what bubble do I live in? You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the illustration, I mean, it's a real story, right? But the example, I guess it's a better word of the gentleman in, in Yale with, with Sam, the, the minister from Alabama. 
who thought that East Coast people are actually in a bubble. Well, because, well, you don't realize um, how real this is, how people are actually against Democrats. It's so obvious to them, but we're appalled when, you know, like Trump is elected. So I think these things, um, it's easy to assume, but I love, ultimately I love the fact that we're coming, coming back to the word and to the Lord and what God is saying to us individually as believers to, um, I don't want to say like make this right, but to understand what the responsibility is, what we've been neglecting, what we need to understand, what we need to acknowledge, what we need to repent of. Um, so going back mm. to the Father once again, you know? Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that sentiment because I think one of the things that I had to acknowledge uh, through the sermon was that a lot of the preconceived notions I had about um, groups of people, like sociological groups of people and communities outside of my own, you know, they were just my own ideas and my own thoughts. And like that, that in itself just reinforced my bubble because like I thought I had an understanding of how the way the world works per se. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it wasn't until it's like, I guess some events or some things that happen to burst your bubble occur that, you know, you don't really realize just how insular your reality was. Right. Um, and I felt like this sermon really did help uh, facilitate that also, because, you know, I think one of the things that I felt like, um, was a calling for us as believers or myself personally was that, you know, like there is an element of my detachment from the world or from the things that are occurring outside of my circumstances, you know? Um, and, you know, it's a, whether it's because of school or whether it's because I'm just in uh, where I'm at in New York city and trying to take care of my day-to-day living, it's, I, I didn't have like an ear to, what's going on around me and therein it just that is the consequence of being in a bubble it's like you it generates a kind of ignorance of what is happening right and so it's it's nearly it's nearly like i i become someone that's nearly impossible to talk to about these things as well because of that as a result right Mm um and so like i guess with that said, it, I, I know one of the first points that Dr. Sammy addressed was, you know, it, it, it takes divine intervention and a level of God's uh, hand in our lives for us to make that realization that we are, in fact, in a bubble. But like, I guess my question for you is, you know, how do we even arrive to that point where there is a divine intervention on God's part in our lives? You know, because I think it it doesn't occur to us that we are in a bubble, which I think is the trap here that Dr. Sammy is trying to really address and reinforce, right? Is that we're living our lives not really seeing that we're surrounded by a bubble. Right. How to go about that? Well, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple, right? But I think it takes a pause and a humility to come to a point and say, God, in the midst of everything going on in this natural world, 
what are you saying about this? And what is my responsibility? Help me see the bubble that needs that I need to break out of. Mm. And I think that pause is life changing, not just for us, but more for others, because being in the bubble actually um, reinforces <laughs> it reinforces the bubble that we're in. As if it is a reality, or it is the world, it is everything, and actually, it prohibits mission. So, mm-hmm. asking God, God, what is my bubble? It's such a simple question. I think a lot of times we feel like we have to have this like complex way of asking God. We're going to God with an understanding, but really in the purest form of just saying, God, I am asking you, what is my bubble so that I can live for you? You know, not within for myself and only for my own happiness, but what, what is my bubble so that I can live my life to the full? for you, for the mission of God? And I think that's an important question. It's a very simple question. And I think we'll be very surprised by the answer that we get from the Lord because he sees us so well and he sees us in this world and our positionality so clearly and how we fit into and where we are in every way, in every in stage we are, um, geographically where we live. He understands how everything is affecting us. So, you know, what a great way to begin to not just assume that we don't know and that we might not know, but to turn to God who does know. Hmm. Well, I, I didn't even think about it that way. It's <laughs> actually, actually a really good point. You know, like it's God does know, so he can reveal these things to us in our ignorance and our prejudice. and such like that yeah well let me ask you this then i mean like i know that maybe this is like a shocking realization for some people maybe it's not right like that you know we reside in the comfort of our own realities and um just not really understanding like i guess the the depth of which things are occurring around us Right. Um, And I know the important thing that we're discussing is that, like, we as believers do have a responsibility to, um, uh, like, be in the world, but not of it. Right. I think uh, if I'm not butchering that (laughs) completely. Right. Um, It was being in the world, but not. of it. Yeah. And so I guess it's like, can you give us an idea of like what our responsibility looks like um, at this point? Because I know as Christians. Uh, we we have a call to mission. And, you know, I think one of the shocking things about um, what happened with me was that, you know, like not really paying mind to the insurrection and not really paying mind to, I guess, the turmoil that is happening politically, like amongst believers as well, is that, you know, I failed to recognize that there was stark misrepresentation of what, you know, the gospel is, you know. and so. Um, I think there there was a call or like a, a call to action of like us as believers to, you know, hold on to that responsibility of representing Christ well. Um, and so I guess in, in regards to 
uh, Dr. Sammy's message about um, how we can acknowledge that we are in bubbles. You know, I, I'm wondering at this stage of the series, like what is the responsibility of Christians um, with that respect? So, you know, Doc actually talked about this, that he, uh, when he talked about QAnon, he thought he disregarded it at first because he thought, wow, who believes that? That's so quacky. Like, that's crazy, right? Mm. And he talks about how he realized that he was the one in a bubble for not realizing that there was a French movement that was capable of doing something um, like the insurrection on January 5th, right? Mm. Um, I think that I, in, in my personal experience, when I learned about QAnon, I did the same thing. I thought, wow, people who believe that are really insular. And that's true, right? And that's the whole conspiracy bubble, right? That mm-hmm. people are in. But I thought that's that's so wild. Like who forget who believes that, but it's like why would they believe that? That's that's unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized because it's so out there, it has nothing to do with me. And I think that was my bubble um, to name one because I thought because it's so wild and it's so far from what I believe that it would have no connection per se to me. And then when I realized that as a believer, actually, the world is looking in and seeing it as, wow, look at this. People, not everyone, but people understand that, you know, to a certain extent that it's a fringe movement, that it's very, it's an extremist group. But also hearing stories of how many of these people belong to the church and that slowly many of them were leaving the church because um, the conspiracy has gotten hold of their lives and their direction. And they were no longer being disciples of Christ or being made disciples of Christ, but actually part of this movement, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was a not just a sense, but in reality, many were detaching from the body of Christ. Um, I think that there's a great temptation as a believer, especially because of what happened with you know, certain movements such as like evangelicals for Trump or, you know, just the church kind of standing behind the decisions and um, influencing, um, you know, political decisions with uh, Trump, right? Mm -hmm. I think um, there is this also repelling, uh, you know, it's, how do you say, um, like a temptation to compartmentalize and to kind of section off what I want to be part of, what I don't want to be part of. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, I don't want to connect my my beliefs of faith with what's happening out there because, well, it's been abused. Um, but... You know, the Bible always teaches us that there are things that are that are done 
um, that are of God's fruit, like to test things with fruit, right? And to not converge our need for action as a church to disciple people in truth because of the fear that of what happened mm. um, and to not act in accordance to God's word to um, um, what is it to what is the word to accept responsibility as a believer in times like this is kind of the problem as well you know mm-hmm. I would say the bubble that Oh, oh, well, I guess like simply a bubble itself, you know, um, because of our own choice or want or want to not be part of, I guess, the healing process or the change or the recuperation of things that have been done to misrepresent who Christ really is. But it's affecting people to be okay with lies or to be okay with, um, you know, because it's a political preference and to not really search for truth um, or to love truth, I think it will affect discipleship. I mean, it clearly has just affected discipleship, you know? Right. Right. I remembered like what Dr. King said, like he, you know, when he wanted to speak up, you know, nonviolent riots and protests, when he wanted to speak up, like a lot of ministers of the gospel told him, wait for your time, wait your time, you know, Um, your time will come. Don't speak up, you know, don't say anything like people on the good side were telling him not to speak up, but he, like he, he spoke up and, you know, he's, we are celebrating his birthday today, hopefully for the right reasons and not, you know, for what we want to make out of the quotes that he says. Cause I think that's the other thing. Like we take a figure and we interpret quotes without the author's intent sometimes, but, you know, he stood up for injustice and you know, there was a there was a moment where he rose up and said, "No, I will not wait anymore because this is God's matter. This is God's movement." You know, so there was a convergence for him where he realized that this is not a waiting matter, but this is has to do with us living in truth as a disciple of Christ. Me not speaking up is not just going to hurt. Um, my conscience, but it's going to hurt people and children in the future. And and it will become a misrepresentation of what justice is. And it will become a misrepresentation of, of who God is. Ultimately, that's what he was saying, right? When he said, no, I can't wait. I can't wait. I will not wait. This is God's movement. So I mean, I think that thinking about all of these things, for sure, I think, leaders of the church or even believers it's easy because of the i mean what's happened in the in the last four years and in this year of the pandemic 
is and can be very traumatic because we were. I mean, yes, you could turn off the television and not face it. Yes, we don't have to open the apps of news and not read it. But even then, it was very hard to ignore because it's it is. Um. Well, as many say, right? It's going to be written in the history books, right? <laughs> like as probably the most um, infamous, but it's a significant thing that happened, right? You know? um, not to better the people, but to hurt, you mm-hmm. know, America, and uh, so I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think what you're saying is absolutely re- like rings true to me because it's like we we kind of have this autonomy and able to ability to exercise preference for like what we are or aren't involved in, right? And I feel like a lot of my attitude was also influenced from that as well it's like i i was dismissive of what, what was going on outside of my life because it's just like there was like this this thought that this isn't really my problem mm-hmm. right um you know i attend to what i i feel like i need to attend to and like the concern of what is going on um with like our other believing uh, brothers and sisters it was like not a thought that crossed my mind really because you know it's just that my comfort was in just staying in my own lane, right? Like, I think that's kind of what you were expressing with, um, you know, how Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you know, rose to the call and the occasion to be courageous in a time where people were, you know, fixated on just letting it be and hoping that it resolves itself. But there is sort of like that attitude or... um, disposition of inaction that is you know something that we are responsible for right it's like even inaction is an action that you know doesn't lend itself to a solution at the end of the day which is why i felt like this sermon was so um convicting and eye-opening in that sense right because you know like if if god is calling us you know to his mission to his call um his, his greater mission of discipleship and, you know, um, you know, reaching non-believers and such like that. So we, we kind of miss out on all that because of our attitudes and preferences to be like, no, or I don't want to, or, you know, refusing for whatever reason and such. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think politics is a good example of that but i think that even apart from politics it's something we do all the time if something is inconvenient to us and it takes um for us to actually rise up out of our um comfort Mm. or um our status or our you know i don't know even status of popularity or being liked uh, being accepted i think we resist it. Forget resist it. We ignore it. You know, we shut it off or we walk away from it. We try to compartmentalize it as, you know, well, that's that, but that doesn't pertain to me because I'm doing this in my life right now. 
Hmm. And I think oftentimes we miss the call of God in a life where we're supposed to live out the calling, you know, and we end up doing so many other things. And that's great. You know, we need to raise our family. We need to, you know, go to work. We need to climb the first mountain, as David Brooks says, you know. Mm-hmm. But truth is, our life in this world is to live following the shepherd, following the lead of our God. Because, I mean, Jesus, Jesus says that. In John 15, apart from him, we can't do anything. Apart from him, we can't produce anything that's effective or productive or of good, you know? And I think that's why it's so crucial to come to a place of not just recognition and acknowledgement, but examination of the spirit Mm. or divine intervention to really allow him to search us to figure out what exactly are we living for? Um, Starting with what do we resist because of this bubble? And what exactly is this bubble that keeps us from following the the shepherd's voice Hmm. on a daily basis, you know, leading up to a lifetime. Hmm. And, so I think once again, it come, it brings us back to the father, you know, turning to the father and asking God, can you intervene here? Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, I feel like if it wasn't for the sermon, which I'm almost treating like it is divine intervention, right? It's, a, it's kind of hard to even arrive at that prayer or that request to have God intervene on your behalf, right? Because it's like, that is just kind of the product of our ignorance. Um, And so I was, I guess I was curious to know, right? Like, I, I guess, what do you think happens when God does intervene on our behalf? Like, I, I know that, the resistance and the block to mission and to what God is doing is usually like our ourselves, right? It's, it's usually we get in our own way, our bubbles get in our way and such like that. And, and I'm imagining like the, the level of comfort that we might feel residing in our bubbles is the source of a good amount of resistance to what God is doing. Right. And so I guess I'm wondering like, what is why why is it so important that our bubbles are burst right because like i guess another thing i was thinking about and sorry i'm kind of like rambling with this question right um is that you know it, it seemed like the the takeaway for me initially was like oh we have to be open-minded right but that that's that's not necessarily it when i when i thought about it again because it's, it's not just like being open two perspectives this is like about it's really active right it's like a very active thing that we as believers and as christians have to contend and engage with um so that we can represent christ better right and so i guess like 
I'm just wondering what it looks like for us to break through that resistance and, you know, to do mission, um, you know, as God intended. Well, I think you answered the question, but I guess we could talk about that answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if the question is what happens when we don't break out of this bubble? Well, the text is showing us that when we don't break out of this bubble, we stay where we want and not where God is leading us in mission because God's always on mission. Like in the example of Peter, he had to be told three times, right, supernaturally, and then he finally got it. And as a result, he was able to obey God's command and his directions and take steps towards that direction, which led to the um, first Gentile, Mm. Um, a non-Jew coming to Christ, becoming a Christian, right? A Christ follower. And that started a ripple effect of salvation in the among the Gentiles. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's really for mission that we need to break our bubbles, you know? Because if we don't, the mission will not continue through you and me. Hmm. No, sorry. I thought you were going to say something. (laughs) No, I I just want to stop it there because I think Mm -hmm. that's something that's really the reality, right? Hmm. If our bubbles don't break, the mission will not continue through you and me. Um, If your bubble doesn't break, if my bubble doesn't break, well, then we stay where we want and we we won't go where God wants us to go whether it's across the room, whether it's a phone call, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's into, you know, something a lot more complex of, you know, serving or public service or wherever he may be calling us. If we don't break our bubble, we will not arrive at the place where God is leading, leading us. And I know that you've been emphasizing that, you know, about ignorance, you know, um, but I think to kind of frame that ignorance is a bubble in and of itself. Right. So that bubble, I think a lot of times we focus on like, well, I don't know much and, you know, I don't know enough, but I think even that can become a bubble of itself to not become aware and to not grow to not, you know, so hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think we're kind of identifying different bubbles as we go. Like Doc yeah. identified the bubble of conspiracy, the bubble of insularity, you know, of the church, um, the bubble of in, um, ignorance, the bubble of, you know, this, this, I don't know, what is the word? Detachment or compartmentalization or maybe mm-hmm. an effect of the bubble. But, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like when I was reflecting on this sermon, I was thinking pretty heavily about how since, I guess, the beginning of my journey with Christ, um just how many bubbles were burst along the way mm-hmm. 
You know, and I think that's uh, one of the things that I was reminded of with this sermon because, you know, my worldview has expanded greatly from knowing who God is. Um, I'm not trying to say that I'm all there, but, you know, like I, I certainly have more and more bubbles to, uh, you know, break as time goes and as, you know, I, I continue to grow. Um, and I guess that's just like an inevitable part about who we are, right? Like we will always find ourselves in a bubble. Um, and, you know, as we follow God, it's like God continually burst those bubbles, you know, because, you know, I was thinking when I was like in high school, I had certain preconceived notions about certain friends, right? Or that I doubted would ever come to Christ who did. And that burst my bubble. It was when, you know, I stepped foot um, at NYU that burst my bubble. And also now at Columbia too, right? And there are these like stages in life that I guess were pivotal, uh, pivotal in my journey with God that, um, you know, burst my or like like broke through my ignorance and you know like my the comfort i had in my own thoughts right like i I think that's like one of the things that i took away from uh being a part of this church and from learning about who god really is is that like there's a lot that god does in the discomfort and you know one of the challenges with this sermon is that it's challenging the comfort of our you know ideas and our beliefs and our thoughts you know like that we cling closer to those things sometimes mm-hmm. than to clinging to what God is promising or clinging to what God is doing around us. Right. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think one of the things that you, you brought up in an earlier conversation was that, you know, there are so many reasons why somebody would, you know, say no to what God is doing and want to preserve their bubble. Right. Um, and I guess I kind of wanted to ask you your perspective on that, because in my life, I definitely did not want my bubbles to be burst. You know, like I, I, I like I like resided in comfort and just being in it was kind of like reassuring. Right. But it's not what I needed in my life. Um, and I can certainly see how I would have been stuck at a certain place if it wasn't for what God was doing in my life and me adhering and following God. Right. Um, and so like, but I thought, I found that to be a, quite a difficult process usually, right? It's like a lot of resistance, a lot of like, I don't know, God, like this seems hard or like, I don't, this is not me. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I guess I was just wondering your thoughts as a pastor, you know, who has walked with people and discipled people, um, for, you know, two decades, like, you know, what your thoughts and perspectives are on that, if, if I may. Well, before I speak about like my experience, I mean, if I look at Peter's life, right? Mm. He walked with Jesus, but then right before Jesus was crucified, he denied Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when Jesus restored him after he resurrected um, over breakfast, right. Grilled fish. um, He, experience the restoration of Jesus. And then he, we, I mean, not restoration, restoration of his own heart to do the mission. And he's on mission. He's fully on board. Um, and he comes to this place where, because he's so convinced that salvation is for the Jews, right? 
Mm. because he's under i mean it's like no bad intention he's thinking well there's so many jewish people that need they need christ so he's looking at mission in one angle saying sure. you know this is my calling this is what i need to do this is what i should do um this is how i should do and and then when jesus you know god shows up in that vision and tells him to kill and eat and that to not call anything that he cleans he calls pure or clean um unclean right mm -hmm. uh, really talking about you know his jewish i guess like kosher ways but also leading him into um the next phase of how salvation is not just for the jews but for the non-jews which mm -hmm. we call gentiles right so even a man who had made so many like you it's kind of like an up and down up and down right when he just because he walked with christ doesn't make him all of a sudden this man who has all the answers but he's just literally walking through the course of his life being corrected being reminded being brought back being restored being filled by the spirit and then <laughs> you know the spirit runs out and he's on his own his own mind of you know what how things should be done and he feels he's in control and obviously he felt he was in control like he kind of had a handle on mission to the jews because when god confronted him he was like no i don't think so god like he was kind of telling god very fervently no i don't think so you know and it got out to repeat itself, right? So he obviously thought he had a handle on it. And I think that you can kind of see the ups and down, the loops. Like it's very much like ours, right? And he's like, a, is a great apostle. He's done great things for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's called the rock on which the church is, um, has been built. Like all these things. But we see that even he has to come to a place where he realizes that, you know, different seasons and different, um, you know, and different courses of his whole journey of life, like there are buzz bubbles to be broken through mm -hmm. um, because the mission needs to, you know, because the harvest is plentiful, right? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, I I think that that's like how life is. We think we understand something because we have a clarity about something at some point. You know, whether it's clarity about, okay, well, I know what to do now. I just need to follow the voice of Jesus. But before we know it, we're no longer following the voice of Jesus. And we're kind of just surviving, mm. trying to get things done so that we could follow the voice of Jesus. Right. And then we forget we need to turn to Jesus to follow the voice of Jesus that we need to check in um, to all that God has provided for us, you know, and yeah. it gets so practical, right? Um, we have to turn in tune in and turn on the wire list. Uh, what is it? Um, what does CS Lewis say? Uh, the secret wireless. Yeah. We have to turn tune into that to hear what God is saying so that 
in our knowledge or forgotten knowledge, we don't think that we know it all. Because I think that's kind of how we are, right? We are constantly surrounded by blind spots, but we think because we have something in front of us that we see, that we see all. Mm. And forget that actually we don't see all and that we need a community, that we need to belong to a community that preaches the word and that we need to hear the word because the outside world gets really loud. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell what's science and pseudoscience and what's, you know, database and what's not database. Like there's so much information, right? That needs to be, um, that needs to be filtered because not all of it is true. So I think, you know, if we kind of just in a vacuum say, well, God, what can you divinely intervene and speak to us so that we know what you're saying in this time? It, it could sound like a large, just like a large wall of silence. It's like, uh, yeah. because it could come to a place like, what do we do? What do we not do? What do we do? What do we not do? And we feel like a deer caught in a headlight. Mm. But I think the grander picture is that just like Peter we are also, as Christ followers, being remade from our mistakes, from our poor decisions, from our ignorance, um, bubble to bubble, you know, from bubble to bubble, bursting of this bubble to that, from to glory to glory, being transformed. As long as we're being led by Him. Yeah. So, but I don't think we're much different if we're being led by him, um, it's like when Peter was being led by him, he had to be confronted of his own comfort. And I think, like you said, um, walking with Christ is oftentimes about that. Just we think we have a handle on something. It doesn't mean that we've arrived, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but definitely no. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, more and more we're kind of like, we take pride in what we know, how much we know, how much we've read about something. And we, we also in so much knowledge, forget fundamental truths, you know, or just fundamental commands of God or the wisdom of God's word. Like, so I think, you know, yeah. If, does that answer the question? Oh, well, it certainly answers the question for me. I think because, like, I feel like I'm I'm also falling to that category. I've also fallen into that category. And I, I do a lot continue to fall into that category of, you know, just being nestled in the comfort of my thoughts about God and, like, what I think God is doing. And, right, like, being, you know, like, directing my life, like, me directing my life based off of my theories or like ideas of what God is doing, as opposed to really listening and tuning into what God is actually doing, which is a much more simpler process, I think. Um, Yeah. And I think that like, those are the times I often find myself in trouble and I kind of have to like learn the hard way. um, Just kind of falling flat on my face or, you know, making mistakes or like having to repent for like, you know, misdeeds and actions that um, aren't very representative of who Christ is, uh, you know. Um, and I think that is sort of like that process you're illustrating that Peter had to go through. And I'm sure that we all have to go through as a process of trying to 
follow the voice of God in our lives. You know, like, you know, there, there's a lot of forgiveness and grace in knowing that we do kind of step off the path. Um, you know, just thinking that we might know the forest a little bit better than God. But, you know, it's, you know, I feel like God is always trying to burst our bubbles and like always will based off of who he is and how big he is, like how much bigger he is than us um, to, you know, bring us back onto his call and his mission. Um, yeah. So what you're saying really resonates with me in that, because it's like when we do defer to God's leadership and following after Christ's heart, it's, it like expands our worldview and who we are and like, you know, really facilitates like just like so much, uh, beauty and meaning and, you know, um, you know, like fruit, like you were saying, through being on mission and being on God's mission. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the other important things about this bubble is that this is like, this is also a way in which God is calling us to be the best of who we can be and not be limited to our bubbles in that way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's also like, not to say this so anecdotally, but like Dr. King, when he was what, like, he became such a important figure. Right. And what he has done still rings true to this day in influence. Right. But I, I wonder, um, I mean, this is like, you know, I guess an anecdotal way of kind of looking at it, but I wonder if he looked because of the, era and the circumstance and the positionality he was placed if he looked and said i want to be that kind of man he he was a forerunner of his time right so Mm. i know that he was influenced by you know gandhi and his activism in india but like did he really say who do you want to be i want to be that guy or did he respond to god as he spoke in the time that he lived in you know Mm. Um, because it's a, it's a great ideal to say, well, who does God want me to be? I want to be that. But honestly, if you tell me that as much as it's a nice thought, I think I will resist it because if I look at my own life, um, the things that God has asked me to do, um, and has made me someone who would put the mission first, the kingdom first and myself second. Um, I don't think that happened because I saw a picture of who I could be, but mm. more so because I heard his call and one thing at a, um, at a time in responding to that call became this valuable thing that I can't trade for anything else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was kind of like a call to mission to the next call to mission to next call to mission and became the way that I wanted to live. 
I don't think I really have a picture of who I want to be. I know that's an intrinsically motivating, right? For sure, yeah. Um, ideal or idea, and it's honorable, but it's not usually we see a certain picture of, you know, Hmm. of joe or we see a certain picture of myself no and you know granted sometimes god allows those pictures because our bubble is so thick that we cannot see or imagine outside of what we see of ourselves and Hmm. god does that and he's done that beautifully in so many people's lives and not to say he hasn't done that in my life right when we can't see at all and we can't come out of that bubble of what of us thinking well, this is going to be me. This is how I am. So I'm just going to be faithful in this little bubble of mine. But I think usually we see a picture of what we don't want to be, which gives us also a picture of Christ, of who we want to be. We want to be more like Christ. Mm. And I think we get motivated motivated by the picture and the vision of Christ, um, not only in what he's asking us to do, to do or to be or to obey, but because he has already lived this life on this planet, you know, Mm -hmm. in the midst of turmoil and chaos and, you know, persecution of, I mean, crucifixion. Um, So, and he did not relent, but for the cause, for this cause that he has come, and he has come to live faithfully and to die and give of himself, and um, he did it successfully, you know. So it's a great idea, but I think that it's a lot more nuanced than just a vision of who we want to be, you know. But it's really obedience after obedience, following the call of God, understanding the value of God. For me, I I do tend to find that I have been surprised sort of by who I ended up being today as opposed to, I guess, what I might have thought for myself as far as... um, as a result of following after God and trying to be like Christ as the primary goal of, I guess, you know, my development or my growth. Um, and so I feel like in that, right. Like I think, um, sorry, I'm stumbling on my words a little bit here. Okay. Take your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think but I think in that it's it's just kind of a reflection of just how much God intervenes on my behalf. I, I feel like God intervened a lot on my behalf to um sort of you know prick at the bubbles that I was in during that time of my life so that I can grow to be someone that is more and more like Christ, even if like that was not what I might have expected from being residing in that bubble, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like a lot of these times there is a certain worldview or perspective that we cling to that limits us from being who God is calling us to be. And maybe we are a little bit, we can be a little bit short-sighted in where God is taking us because all we can really see is our bubble, right? 
Um, so I guess like, you know, one of the questions I also had regarding this for you is, you know, how much, how much do you think it, are we, you know, being like held captive to our bubbles, you know, whether it's just like our point of view on things or um, our perspective about ourselves or certain beliefs that we have, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, your thoughts regarding why the bubble is so sinister in that way. Um, Cause I think it boxes us in into an ideal of how, life is supposed to be or how life is supposed to be played out. Mm. And we don't realize it because we think ideals are good because it's a certain expectation to how life should play out. Right. But I think a lot of times it limits us or it kind of boxes us in, as I said before. And when things don't turn out that way, um, I think we feel like something is wrong. When actually God's ideal for us or his plan for us might have not been that way, you know? And I think, um, I think we forget that there is supposed to be a certain unknown aspect and discomfort and tension aspect to our walk with Christ. And that's why Trust is such an important thing in a relationship to be able to trust someone's intention, to trust that they know. And, and talking about God, like that he knows better. He goes before us that he sees what we cannot see. And he has a plan that is good for not just me, but humanity. Um, and that his heart is always on mission and to be able to trust that, um, it's such an important thing, but I think a lot of times we try to do this journey with Christ apart from trust right. and more more with control. And I think that that is a type of bubble of ideology as well. Hmm. So. Yeah, there is like a certain level of comfort in you know sticking to our ideologies right because like it's sort of like the uncertainty of reality or the uncertainty of what god might be doing might be so unsettling that we'd rather cling to our control of what we believe as opposed to believing in what god is doing and believing in and having faith in his promises right it's just kind of like the I guess the the limiting factor in, for us to really be involved with what God is trying to immerse us into, right? Like outside of our bubbles. Yeah. I think we often fall at or get stuck at the thoughts. That doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And I think that we get stuck on that. Yeah. And we feel this pressure to know everything and for everything to make sense and to understand everything before everything happens. And you know, there is an aspect of when God calls us that he will reveal certain parts to help us get to that destination of obedience or that, you know, wherever or whatever he's calling us to, whether it's a destination physically or a person, right? Mm. But I think we have this assumption that it needs to all 
somehow makes sense, mm. but it doesn't always make sense. Right. Um, and that's why we trust in God. And that's how our trust goes and grows um, over time as we obey, because we realize what God is trying to do when we obey, he knows what he is doing. And we can start to grow in the knowledge of his character and that he is all knowing and that he is wise and that he is able to accomplish the plans because he sees all things at once where we see just one part in our bubble, you know, bursting our bubble, the residue of our bubble, like, you know, and the residue and the resistance of that bubble breaking away. And I'm like excited for the next, you know, parts of the series, but but he sees all and to be able to trust that um, we're able to actually grow in our knowledge and our trust in God. But I think we oftentimes don't like that. Yeah. So we try to do without trust. Hmm. Yeah. That's definitely one of the things that I feel like I've been learning that is, is, is in process, but it's like really hard to dismantle. Mm-hmm. because there is like a very strong comfortability that I have in, you know, I, th- and I think this kind of circles back to what we were saying, whether on a political level or just like for myself, just, you know, having more, you know, just being so adamant to my beliefs and thoughts about what God is doing or who God is, as opposed to trusting in who God is and, you know, gleaning off, or or depending on him every day as opposed to, you know, depending on this fixed thought that I have about who the father is or who Christ is and what he's calling me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I do have to say this is the longest conversation I've had about bubbles. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, and, you know, it's, I think it's like such an important conversation to have because um, it's just kind of like the path to how we can continue to grow and grow closer to God and grow closer to Christ, who, you know, is calling us to like reach out and to talk to people and to love people. And it's like, if we don't expand our horizons, and if we don't you know, burst these bubbles, then it's hard to love another, right? It's hard to reach out. um, And it's hard to have a conversation like Christ did with so many people that, you know, came to believe in him and accept him as um, Lord, right? It's like, this is like a major step as believers, I think, to that direction of really behaving and being like Christ for others. And I think, it's such a critical conversation. I'm happy to have this conversation with you. Um, and thank you so much, Pastor, for it. And I, I guess, like, at this point, I would, I just wanted to ask if there were any other insights or, you know, tidbits that you wanted to share with us. I guess <laughs> don't fall into the bubble of generalization. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think a lot of times we look 
it's so easy, especially like with Instagram and all these things, we say, oh, we want that, I want that. And we try to strive for what we see visually. But I think it's important more than ever before to not base our direction and our focus on what we perceive is true, but on what is actually true and what is actually biblical and what is actually of God's heart. And I think to be aligned to the truth and the grace of God is so important more than ever, especially with so much information out there mm. about what it means to follow God and what it means to glorify God. Um, There's so many things. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about how in the end times people, you know, in the end days or in the days that we are, you know, not saying that this is the last thing, you know, like none of those projections, but the Bible talks about that in the future um, or in the present time, um, as we speak, that people will only want to hear what their itching ears are wanting to hear, you know, and will fall away from actually following Christ to be able to, do what they want and they will do it in the name of Jesus and then they will do it in the name of God, Mm. but to watch out for that. And I think more than ever, it's so important to narrow down on the very voice of God because clearly many things that are done in the name of God, in the name of Jesus is not the act and the will of God or Jesus, you know? So I think more than ever before, it's so important that we don't generalize that the the um, God being mentioned actually stands for God, but that we become lovers of truth mm. that actually represent um, not just in this um, what is the word with an agenda. Uh, well, this is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. This must be what God is doing, or this is what God wants for you and for me and for all. But to understand that God is always on mission to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness for all these things that we need will be given to us as well. Like to know that he is still the same yesterday, today and forever. And to understand the nuance of what it means to live out daily his word in truth and in grace and to represent him and to make sure that we're representing God and that somewhere along the way that we're not representing a generalization of who people say he is or an ideology of what we think he should be. But more than ever, it's time to narrow down and to be lovers of truth Hmm. what he is really trying to accomplish um, through his people and um, for people to come to know him, you know, there's always damage being done in the name of God, of generalization ideologies about God. And, you know, whether in the fringe um, or even in the church, you know, just people, do all sorts of things and misrepresent him. And I think that it's a good time to really seek divine intervention about our bubbles and to recognize that we need to really follow Jesus Christ and 
nothing else that seems to mimic him and to twist around his face, his voice, his love, his truth, his wisdom, his discernment in these times. I think it's important more than ever. So to seek the divine intervention throughout this week, as you're hearing this message, um, I was preached in our remote service um, to really fix our eyes on Jesus. I think it's so important so Mm -hmm. that we could examine and re-examine our walk, that we're truly walking the narrow path and not falling into this wide road of, you know, all, all, you know, all, what is it? Uh, Everything goes and, you know, misrepresentation and, you know, it seems like that that road is full of all bubbles. <laughs> mm. Like people just, you know, yeah, like bouncing in bubbles, bubbles of just all sorts. And so I think, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the next um, next three messages of how this will play out biblically and how it applies to our lives in this time. Mm. But um, I think this week, don't get so far ahead in, you know, in so much of what I need to do, what I should not do, or, you know, but really just lay down all the generalization, presuppositions, um, compartmentalization, even the feeling of the inadequacy of the lack of knowledge of the bubble of ignorance, um, the need to grow, the need to pause because I think I know like all sorts of things and really ask God, what is it? What is my bubble that you're wanting to prick that you're wanting to break so that I can see you so that I'm actually following you and not my, thoughts and generalization and ideas of you but actually the person of jesus because the person of jesus is the one who wants to lead us not the shadows of jesus not not anything else not the you know versions of jesus but jesus himself is wanting to lead us by his spirit so i think in times of turmoil and um confusion and chaos um we have to turn to the Lord and turn back to the Lord. You know, just like Jesus taught the people how to pray, you know, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And more than ever, we need to align to him to be led by his voice of truth um, according to the word and by his spirit lived out in action. So, yeah. Beautiful closing statement. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Pastor Lydia, for this conversation. And uh, I'm I'm in total agreement that I'm looking forward to our next couple of conversations regarding how we can burst these bubbles um, and what God is really doing in them. I'm excited for what 2021 has in store, even with respect to all the turmoil and what's going on around us. You know, my prayer and my hope is that you know, God would really reveal some powerful things through um, his work and would help us along in this path of mission as well. And so thank you again, Pastor Lydia. I really appreciate having these conversations with you. Thank you, Joe. 
Thank you. And uh, if you were convicted or liked this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning into our broadcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Till then, bye bye. Bye bye. heads for the benediction and welcome the spirit the living spirit to tear open our bubbles so that we can become the light and the healing the world needs in Christ
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Love you guys. Miss you. See you soon. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 180 Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods that I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Wu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at 180church.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week. Bye!